Right, okay, so here we go. A recap. So, <laughs> right, let me think of the sequence of events. So in our last session, it was a more compact group. It was Rita, Dr. Emery and Milton. And, and yet we still split the party, amazingly. Three ways at one point, yeah. Three ways. <laughs> and I think we actually started off with Rita heading off to Wapping to hunt down the residents of Bowers, the man who is selling this Urbai Claves book, the man at the centre of the mystery. Definitely Bowers' mother's place, because we thought that maybe Bowers had moved somewhere else. That is true. It was Bowers' mother's place. And the, yes, the publican seem, of the Ten Bells seemed to think that, that Bowers must have moved to nearby, given, I mean, it's not that far away, I've realised, whopping, but seems like he, he drops in pretty frequently to the Ten Bells, which he wouldn't if he was living two miles away. But yeah, so you hunted down the house of Bowers' mother, uh, Rita went, Dressed in a maid's uniform, I, I seem to recall, with all kinds of shenanigans planned. Very authentic. Unfortunately, she found a decomposing body and the remnants of a book in a armoire or escritoire, I think it was called. And as she was investigating, a rather unpleasant, smoky, shadowy form appeared behind her, ghostly form that started choking her with its foul vapours. And she managed to escape with her life and the ghostly form seemed to just stay in the doorway and didn't follow her. If we encounter one of these again we'll just produce a cease and desist letter from the estate of Fritz Lieber. Exactly and in her pocket during the commotion and the panic she must have grabbed this letter that had been slit open. It had been posted from Millwall, Millwall post office a week ago and inside it was some strange inscriptions and diagrams and so uh, Rita headed back as quick as she could to the Ten Bells, where Milton and Emery were still finishing off their drinks, I, I believe. We'd been reading the tome that Emery had purloined from the British Library. Exactly, yes. You've been reading the Mega Polisomancy tome. Yes. And it, it was very good timing, because it seemed to explain something of what Rita had just experienced, this idea of paramental entities being somehow spirits of cities that can be summoned, and Mega Polisomancy is the arcane art of doing that. There's a, a few other things in the note that you haven't completely uncovered because it's in Latin, but you did understand that the palindrome, or near palindrome, that it was written, can belli nodon libe kai, is a way of summoning these creatures, creating what is known as a ghost trap, which seems to be what happened to poor old Mrs. Bowers. So yeah, someone, you deduced, sent them this letter from uh, Millwall, presumably, and, well, clearly, because it has a Millwall postmark, and I think, Emery, you were rather concerned that the fact that you've got it in your possession. Isn't that right? Just a tad, yeah. But if you can palm it off on someone, maybe. I think I was suggesting dropping it through someone's letterbox. Yes, yes. I suggested the bookshop. <laughs> oh, God, the rival bookshop, yes. Mm, that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Hathaway & Co., yeah. Did I actually do that? We were discussing it. I don't think we quite got as far as mm -hmm. doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the night's young. I mean, maybe you want to find out a bit more about how these things are created. That information could be uncovered by a bit more study back at your bookshop. I'm sure there must be materials there. But the more pressing matter was to go back to Mitre Square in the city where Milton had had this strange encounter of uh, following dives who went through a non-existent doorway that winked out of existence. 
you went back and you found a tramp or at least well it, it looked like a bundle of rags but it turned out to be a tramp who had a bunch of crows or ravens i think i don't know crows probably nestling on him and they flew up into the air and, and flew around in this oval shape in this very peculiar oval shape and, and he pointed up and said i above i below just then went off on some rant and then slouched off down the alleyway it was more than him just going off on a rant he seemed to change personality at the end of it and seemed to have no idea of what he'd just done yes well remembered yes that's exactly what happened at that point milton thought the best thing to do would be get out his little amulet that has, has only brought good things to him mm. and observed almost like a wireframe city around him an architect's drawing three-dimensional architect's drawings the buildings melted into air and what he saw above was this huge rent in the sky like a big slash through the air that gushed blood down in this curtain and it traced a line from where you were further east but also straight back in through the windows or, or into the center of the architect's office horace and moore yes and that is where we left you. And we will pick you up there, standing in this alleyway with, with Milton perhaps slumped against the alley wall, having seen this fairly bizarre sight. Fountains, sheets of blood cascading down into the street. I believe that we may have to pay a visit to those architects. They, there seems to be... They have far greater involvement than I first imagined. Makes you say that? Dr. Uh, Elton. I've seen a huge tear in the sky that leads directly back towards their offices. And the whole city appeared as a blueprint, as an architect's drawings. Like origami. Perhaps. A, a bit difficult to say. It was more like just... Brass rubbing. Just the framework. Just the... Oh... Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, w I wouldn't worry about the particular materials it might have been constructed of. Like a building site? A a almost, yes. Yes. Okay. Unfinished buildings, just frames. And there's some deeper design to the way things are laid out here. I think Dr. Emery may be able to help us with having looked at the tome he's been pouring through. Are you suggesting that these architects may actually have been practicing some form of megapolis somancy themselves? Well, either that or their office is coincidentally positioned so as to having some kind of influence or maybe just an effect. Maybe whatever's going on here is influencing them rather than the other way around. But I think we need to learn more. Yes, that does seem rather unlikely. If we are indeed looking at some form of magical working or magical practice that involves cities and the construction and manipulation thereof, then it does seem like a huge coincidence if everything is pointing us towards an architectural firm. Indeed. Hmm. But I believe that should be our next port of call, if we can find our way into those offices perhaps when they're closed for business it's 8 p.m now it's dark 8 p.m in an undisclosed season of the year which means it's you know dusk dusky time at the very least dusk and certainly after business hours um, is there, are there any lights on 
in the the practice the office the studio no there's no lights on in in the building it seems to be just offices and, and clearly at this hour there must be a back entrance or a fire escape or something like that mm. Mm. yeah well we guess worth taking a look well, I suppose we should first decide whether this is the approach we want to take, because if we do break in and something goes wrong, if we are suspected of this, it does rather close other avenues. Whereas if we were to perhaps approach them while they're open and talk to whoever works there, then that is perhaps less ultimately limiting than jumping straight to criminal activities. You're just saying that because you don't fancy climbing up the back of a building, don't you? I'm fucking 70, of course I don't. Well, if if you would like to do the talking, Dr. Emery, if you feel you could persuade them with your, you know, you'll just charm them and uh, perhaps get some kind of insight into what they're up to i'm sure then i would imagine this is something that they're not going to disclose freely to whoever wanders into the office but you know what you made me think something there dr emery and that's you know i said that i think we should go and spy on the meeting with bowers now if we go in there i thought you were going to say and it goes pear-shaped then we couldn't go to the meeting with bowers and if any reason there's any problem with the meeting with Bowers, then we wouldn't be able to do anything about it. And I think, on balance, the meeting with Bowers is probably more important as far as we know. Well, I'm not sure that it's more important, but it is perhaps more time-sensitive. I like that, time-sensitive. You've coined a phrase there, I think. Okay, if that's your decision, shall we move you on to the Black Lion? Kind of time hypersensitive. Hyper time sensitive. I just keep going. So what I mean to say is that, I mean, no disrespect to you, Dr. Milton, but you've seen some stuff, but we don't really know what it is. So at least with the Bowers meeting, you know, the job is to stop, to get the book before the sale and, you know, or the secret auction. Well, that is correct, yes. That's the time sensitivity. Sensible. Time sensible. Time sense. Yeah, it's a strange voice. You know, I'm hearing time sensibility. That's what I'm hearing. Time sensibility. More pressing, perhaps. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Time sensibility, that little red collaboration between H.G. Wells and Jane Austen. Pressing sounds like, you know, ironing. You know, I wouldn't want to associate this kind of thing with domestic chores. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you all make a luck refresh. Because I am kind. I'm a kind and generous soul. So uh, everyone can make a luck roll. Because I think two of you are pretty low on luck. Oh, there we go, Emery. Oh, I failed it. That's good. You want to fail it. Lucky, lucky luck. What do I get for failing? D10. Oh. D10. (laughs) And I got one. Success. All right, well, Spencer gets... uh, Milton gets nothing. Emery gets one. And Rita, you get a D10. Nothing for a success, no? No. 36. You're on 36 now. I'm on 36 now. You're all really low on luck. I guess you've been spending it. I think I keep dropping out even now, don't I? You do, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, as long as you can make out what I'm saying. Either that or we're ignoring you. Yeah, that's probably the case. So, shall we skip forward a couple of hours with you shadowing the, you know, standing in the shadows by the Black Lion pub? You know, Rita's desperately trying to hold Dr. Emery back after about 
the first half an hour. You can have a drink in a minute. You can have a drink in a minute. And then Dr. Milton, she's going, look, they're still serving food for another two hours. It's going to be fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Well, I was just wondering, who out of the group of us do our targets actually know by sight? I don't think, do either of them know Dot Watson? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure that they do. No, the only person he spoke to was Hamp, actually. In which case, why are we waiting outside the pub? That is a good point. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, to be discreet. Two things. I broke into Bowers's house, didn't I? You did. But I didn't meet him. No, you met his dead mother and a ghost. Oh, shit, that's Bowers. Sorry, I was thinking of the not other... Not the best afternoon in, of your no. life. Oh, you know, yeah, you're thinking of Drummel. You're thinking of Aston yeah. Drummel. No, Bowers is the cockney, sort of rough cockney working man who's uh, a bit dodgy cockney geezer. Go inside where it's warm and comfortable. We can enjoy a drink and perhaps a meat pie and uh, eavesdropping comfort. I think that Rita is still wearing her cleaning outfit. Of course you fucking are. Which, you know, I think, you know, it's quite fitting. It's the end of the day. Right. Okay, so you, you position yourselves in the pub. You've got a nice steak and ale pie. Well, Milton has. Or maybe he's got two. I don't know. Yeah, I think one. Oh. Belly up to the bar. So you're sitting in the pub, and you know that Hamp has agreed to meet Bowers at 10pm. And Hamp is a very punctual man. You know him. And at about 5 to 10... Bowers slouches in. Obviously, he doesn't recognise you or see you because you're in a smoky corner with your pies and ale. And he goes to sit down at a table somewhere on the other side in a corner. And you see him looking at his watch every now and again. And by about ten past ten, you realise that something must have gone wrong with Ham because he has not shown up. Bowers looks at his watch a few more times and then you see him... He picks up the pint that he's ordered and he just starts draining it and starts kind of gathering himself up to leave. This isn't like damp. What could possibly happen to him? He's usually rather punctual. Yes, um, I suppose. One of us had better step in. I can do it if you want. Miss Rita, as confident as I am in your abilities to talk to people you are dressed as a domestic servant at the moment which may provoke some questions but here's the thing if you want to talk to him directly then i would naturally lean towards you two doing the whole honesty type of thing but if we're talking about blundering into him and slipping that note into his pocket and that kind of thing then i'm your girl yes 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 i suppose yes that does present some possibilities then yes very well i shall pass you the cursed note so the plan is that Rita's going to go and slip the note in his pocket. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Dr. Milton. Okay. Fair enough. Is that going to send things in the direction we we want? Okay. He can obviously drain a point pretty quick, so we've got to be quick about this, okay? Yeah, he's, he's getting up to leave. He's getting up to leave, so... The other option is that I show him the note, or you show him the note. And then we're not talking about the book so much because I can show him and I can say, I'm your mother's cleaning lady and she's fucking dead. Ah, yes. Actually, no, no, that is actually a very good idea. Dr. Milton. That would certainly stop him in his tracks. Yes. Certainly, as far as ways of attracting his attention are concerned, yes, that seems remarkably good. 
Okay, then I'm on to it. All right. All right, so you you mosey on over. That's a, not a good word for an East End pub, but you sidle over, let's say. To... I'm walking very proper. Okay, you're walking upright and proper. Okay. Very proper, like a cleaning lady. Okay, all right. And you kind of intercept Bowers as he's as he's just standing up and about to leave, and he says, "Oh, sorry, love. Oh, I don't mind getting your way. Uh, just, uh, excuse me. I'm just leaving here." Good evening to you, sir. Are you Mr. Bowers? Oh, I am. What's it to you? He coughs a couple of times. I've got some rather distressing, interesting, thought-provoking news for you, sir. If you don't mind. You have. I mean, that's... I do, I do. How do you know where to find me? I've never seen you before. Who are you? That's on account of the uh, the situation. As you can see, sir, I am a diligent cleaning woman. Well, I can see that, yeah. And was your mother... I was contacted by my boss to go to your mother's... I suppose it's a flat, isn't it? It's a... That's right. Kind of... Basement. And to clean it, sir. You've been to my mother's? I have been to your mother's house, sir. When? It was earlier today, sir. So that's why I found, come and found you straight away, sir. Right. I suppose we better sit down then, shouldn't we? Both, sir, as well. Uh, me or you? I don't know. After you, sir. Have you gone West Country or I? I can't tell. I don't know. I, don't, I think he has. I can't tell either. It's just blowing around all over the place then. No, I just wonder whether it was another persona for Rita. I, I thought it was. Oh, it's definitely another person. It's a bit more of a confused one, I have to say. Well, she doesn't ever want to be rumbled as a real Rita, so it makes sense. Rumbled as a real Rita? I don't know. That's... I'm still waiting for a revelation at the end of this that Rita isn't actually Irish. And he says, well, we better sit down in, I suppose. Andy and I can do that when you two can't make a session for a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as if the blood has drained out of his face. And he just kind of sits down quite heavily. And then he looks up at you and he says... So you saw her then, did you? Oh, sir. So I did see her, sir. And truth be told, because, sir, the front door was open. You see, sir? Yeah. I didn't have time to close it. So you've seen her too, sir? I have. Well, I guess I caught a glimpse. I, I had to get out of there quick, sharp, like. Well, same with me, sir. But the strange thing was that when I, back to me lodgings, me humble lodgings... I felt this thing in my pocket, and it was a letter, sir, in my pocket, and I can't, I can't for the life of me, understand how it got there, sir, and I don't have an idea what it says. He says, you don't want to have that letter. Oh. Burn it, throw it away, tear it to ribbons. Why is that, sir? That's what brought it. The letter, sir? Yeah. No, 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 what brought what, sir? Look, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've seen or what you know, but you don't want to get mess mixed up in all of this, I can assure you. That'd be quite right, sir. I don't want to get caught up in all of this, so I naturally... I only just escaped with my life. Being sensitive to my employers, you know, I wanted to uh, talk to you, sir, before going to the police. Look, if you say anything to the police, you'll never see me again. I'll be gone. So you keep your trap shut. Well, sir, I wasn't planning on... I mean, would you like to see me again? I don't know, sir. Look, you can't fool me. Who are you with? You with Dives? Drummle? Who are you with? De Castries? You're with De Castries, aren't you, that French cunt? I'm with uh, Hastings Cleaning Agency, sir. Look, 
You can't fool me. I know you're no cleaner. My mum can't afford no cleaner. It was just a one time, sir. That was what I was told. You want a book, don't you? Like all of them. Do you mean, am I a betting girl? I wouldn't like to say, sir. I'd not... No, no. He uh, takes a deep breath and he says, look, you can drop this act. If you want to talk business, we can talk business. I'd be very happy to talk business, sir. I'm always looking for a steady job, you see, sir. Look, I never meant it to happen to her. She wasn't meant to get mixed up in this either. She didn't even want to sell the thing. Are we talking now about what this, or are we going to go somewhere else and talk about it? Or it's a... He spits on the floor, and a big glob of green phlegm, <laughs> and he coughs a few times, and he says, That fucking thing got me lungs. Anyway, we'll talk here. That's okay, right. Now, I think then Rita will let her hair down, take the apron off, plonk it on the table. It's not that kind of a pub. Okay. Now, Mr. Bowers, as you can tell, I'm not actually from the countryside in England. I'm from Ireland. Right. So you're not with the Frenchie? Not as far as I can remember. Right. But as far as I can tell, you're talking about all of this kind of mixed up and stuff that you didn't want to get mixed up in and your mother and all of that and the rotting sofa and all of these kinds of things. And it strikes me that... This book, and the sale of the book, is kind of more trouble than it's worth. And I, to be quite honest with you, I think, you know, we, I'll use the word we, could save quite a lot of people, quite a lot of pain, just by disposing of the book. Look, I don't care what the fuck anyone does with it. As long as I get my money, i got to get out of here. I think you do care what happens to it, because, you, you know, you're going on about your poor mother and all this kind of thing, and you know that it's all going to come after you as well, isn't it? I mean, you don't expect them to let you keep your mouth shut. Excuse my, my language. After you've sold the book, don't you think they're going to just get you a bit quiet? Well, I'll take that chance. i got to get out of here anyway. got to quit the smoke for good. Maybe go somewhere nice and sunny. Canada, maybe. And how much is... Uh, what's his name? Oh, is this... Oh, what? Now, are you dealing only with Mr. Drummle? Well, right now I am, but I know there's a few others. Like I said, that De Castries is in town. So, De Castries, he wants the book, does he? Oh, aye. He does. And Drummle wants the book. Everyone wants this thing. You know why? But you don't know why. Well, because it's, I mean, if we start real, really low, it's very rare. It's a rare book. Rarer than you might think. This very copy was once owned by Jack the Ripper, you see. Oh, good, yeah, okay. Did he carry it with him at all times? Well, I suppose you better hear the whole story then, eh? I tell you what, now, like I said, it's we. And if you like, I could bring my two most valuable associates, you know, not the only ones. For example, I know that you were here to meet uh, Mr. Hamp, and... You know, he's one of our team, but there are more. But I'd like to bring two of my close research associates over here to hear that story. Is that uh, okay with you, Mr. Bowers? As long as none of them are Drummel or that French bastard, De Castries or Dives. No. You see, in a situation where you basically can't trust anybody, we're the people that you can trust the best. Well, I don't care whether I really 
can trust you or not, it's whether you can pay. Oh, I see. Very good. Very good. Well, and Rita, just turn round and look at the two doctors and just beckon with, with her head. I suppose that means Miss Rita needs us now. Hmm. Oh, I guess I'll have to leave this pie. Uh, yes, yes. You do have a, a little bit on your chin. Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, uh, in fact, quite a sizable lump of meat. Oh, right. That's called uh, seconds. That's what he's left for later. Seconds. Oh, uh, yes, that'll, that'll fall into my shirt pocket. So you head over and, and you see Bowers. He sort of half stands up as if he's just eyeballing you. And then he snorts and he says, yeah, don't look like there'll be much trouble from these two. Look like hardly make their way across a pub, let alone get into any kind of trouble. You see, Mr. Barris, this is the point. It's not about trouble. We're actually people who can enrich your life and your future, not only with money. All right. So you head over and sit down, and Bowers tells you the tale of the book. And he says, Look, like I said, it was never meant to happen. She didn't want to sell it, but we wanted out. We both did. And, well, I thought the best thing to do was sell that book. She told me how valuable it was. She wanted to keep hold of it, but, well, you know, needs must. And then I brought all this down on our heads, so I'll never forgive myself. But she told me all about how she got hold of it. That she was once in service to a lady of mystical bent, like, you know what I mean? Bit dodgy, bit woo, bit way. We are familiar with the type, yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, this lady... Had a friend named Mabel, right? She fell under the sway of an adventurer, he called himself. Name of Dunstan, you see. And the three of them, this posh lady, Mabel and Dunstan, they all went into business together, if you know what I mean. Funny business, if you ask me. Anyway, this was in 1890. Good while back. Anyway, Dunstan, he was a right queer fella. He was given to strange boasting about his magic and stuff. And he kept on hinting at his murderous past. Well, didn't take much for his lady friend to put two and two together. Decided he was Jack the Ripper. <laughs> anyway, well, Mabel, she went to her mystical friend for advice. And the lady, she decided to search... Dunstan's belongings, which, yeah, you know, he kept on their premises to keep things nice and easy, as it were. And she found a locked chest holding some books, papers, and blood-stained ties. Well, she shut the chest up but kept a copy of the key. Eventually, the business hit the skids, fell apart. Mabel and Dunstan ended their sordid romance. Anyway, lady thought, now's my chance, opened up Dunstan's chest took out some saucy letters, <laughs> you know, and Mabel and Dunstan sent to each other. Right racy they were, apparently. I never read them, of course. But Mum, she liked to spend an evening, you know, going through them because cause this lady left all this stuff to her for some reason. But she found, she found this book. <laughs> the book that we're all after. But I got, you see, I got it. Anyway, when she retired to Wales, the lady left all of this matter with my old mum, her trusted maid, for safekeeping like, you know, as a sort of payment for faithful service. Well, 
at least that's what my old mum told me I reckon there's more to it than that <laughs> and then he sort of gives you a saucy wink hmm fascinating well what do you reckon to that then as you can see the two doctors are speechless this is quite the unprecedented information we've just been told who Jack the Ripper is have we not he was just eating a pie yes I, it is all rather fascinating but well yes well, yes. Does this constitute... Well, I I don't know. I mean, we're not really here to uh, discern the, the validity of... These two doctors, you know, they don't like to speculate. They only like the hard facts. So I wonder, Mr Bowers, could you tell these two great doctors here, these two great academic minds, what it is in the book and that connection with Jack the Ripper that you think is so important? Well... That book, that's the key to everything, isn't it? The eye. It's not just an eye, it's a gate. Mm, go on. Look, I don't know any more than that. I ain't got the brain for it, you see. It's as much as I could pick up. That's why I want to get shot of it. Someone else can take this bloody thing off me hands. But don't worry. Yeah, the eye, the eye. Okay, the eye. <laughs> the eye. He says it's, it's not just an eye, it's a gate. And then he says, but don't worry, it's safe. But if you can think up a worthy offer, and I'll tell you when we can see we'll deal. But we shouldn't order meat until then. It's too dangerous. And then he gets up and leaves. Blimey. So it's, it's all perfectly safe, but it's too dangerous. Bring your parasol, it may be small, it may be big. He repairs them all with what you call a thingamajig. Pitter patter patter, pitter patter patter, here comes the rain. Let it pitter patter, let it pitter patter, don't mind the rain. It's thank you time again. And as usual, I wanted to thank all of our backers at all levels. We can't do the show without you. Well, we could, but it wouldn't be anywhere near as good because with your support and help, we can do all of the extra things that we want to do. I also want to thank all the players who I realised I haven't really been thanking in our thanks section. So thank you to all the players. I love you all dearly. And I hope that we can continue doing Grizzly Peaks far, far into the future until we're old and grey and can't remember what happened in the last session. Actually, I think that kind of applies to me already. But for the rest of you, you'll get there soon. Don't worry. And if you do like our show, which I assume you are if you've listened all the way to the end, then do come and join the fun at patreon.com forward slash Look forward to seeing you. He'll patch up your troubles, then go on his way singing Toodle-looma-looma, -looma, toodle-lay Toodle-looma-looma, toodle-lay And the umbrella's to men today